We got momentum, baby! We got the big mo! Good morning, and welcome to episode 306 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller. Each Hi. Hello. Uh, How are you? Good. We're, we're... How are your pickles? <laughs> uh, well, I, I haven't made any recently because of scout school, um, but we're home now. Both of us are back where we're supposed to be. Uh, ben, you know the best way to make new friends is to to pickle things for them in your motel room. <laughs> yeah, I would have, but there there's just nowhere in Arizona if you don't have a car, you're out of luck as far as groceries are concerned. So there was no pickling going on there. Um, so the playoffs. You didn't have a car, huh? Nope. If I had had a car, I couldn't have driven it legally. Yeah, so you don't have a driver's license. I do not. You've never driven a car? I have driven in parking lots and, and some dirt roads, but that's that's as far as it goes. Is it on your bucket list? Would you like to someday? Uh just not a big thing for you. Yeah, not not particularly important as a as a Manhattanite. If I move someday, I'll I'll probably make it a priority, but as it is, if I had a driver's license, I probably would drive like twice more a year than I do currently, so eh, it's just never been worth the time. Yeah. So baseball. Yeah. <laughs> There's been some some good baseball. Mhm. Yeah, that was uh, that was amazing. Yeah, I I missed part of the game and I saw the end of the game. We're we're talking about the Red Sox uh, Tigers game, but really all of the games have been good. Four games, four one-run games, and those are always exciting. So good, good championship series so far. Yeah, it was it was close to uh, we were very close to having two two to nothing series, mm-hmm. which uh, made me I don't dread that I, I don't particular like I think a Tigers Cardinals series mm-hmm. would be just fine. I mean I um, I think the Cardinals are the best organization in baseball, and I think the Tigers might be the best team in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I think maybe the Cardinals might be the best team in baseball. So I'd be fine with that, but it does occur to me that there was this period in like the 2000s where it was just like constantly new teams in the World Series. There was like a, yeah. I think a 10-year period I think where only two teams appeared in the World Series more than once. The the Cardinals uh, were in it twice, and the Red Sox won it twice. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, that there were no from 2002 to 2010, there were no repeats. Um, and now we have a situation where if it is the Cardinals and the Tigers, the last four years, including this year, will have had only four teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and yet we've, we've talked about parody, right. And how, and how it seems to be, uh, there's less of an advantage than ever for the the rich teams, or at least they're not winning more in particular. So. And I, I think it's still. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing about the Giants that screams like dynastic, you know, team with an unfair advantage over everybody else. And really there's nothing about the Rangers that says that. And there's really nothing about the Cardinals that says that. I mean, the Tigers are the only big market team of those four. I would. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even the Tigers aren't. They're not. They're not the Yankees. It's interesting because if if they make it, then people will start talking about. How oh you know that's a terrible matchup for ratings because it's stale and nobody wants to see these teams again. Mm-hmm. And if some other team makes it, they talk about how it's a terrible matchup because 
they're unfamiliar and they're not, you know, big, big market. So yeah. I mean, basically it's the only, the only, unless the Yankees are in it or the Dodgers are in it, everybody complains about how bad it is for baseball, mm-hmm. but if, but nobody is actually rooting for the Yankees at the Dodgers. So yeah, right. It's weird. A lot of a lot of lot of concern out there for baseball. <laughs> yes, every year, as we as we talked about with Brian Kenny. Yeah. Um. So, do you have any observations or or thoughts that you want to get to about either of these series? Um. I had a couple things I wanted to talk about briefly with the the Red Sox Tigers game. Okay. And they, they might seem they might seem outdated. Mm-hmm. They they made more sense 40 minutes ago, but I don't think they're outdated. Uh, in fact. Uh, you saw game one, right, with Sanchez? Uh, no, I was flying home from Phoenix yesterday, and then when I got home from Phoenix, I had to watch NLCS game two, which I had DVR'd because I was writing about it, so I was watching that during ALCS game one, uh, so I did not see it. I, I know what happened, obviously, but no. Well, never mind then. I <laughs> was uh, just going to... Uh, I, I was I was going to ask your opinion on who, who was better, Sanchez or, or Scherzer. Mm. Um, but you can't help me. So if anybody wants to, to let me know, uh, you can. I'm, I'm genuinely curious which one looked better. Uh-huh. Um, there was, it was interesting because Je- I, I, you know how sometimes you like find you accidentally stumble upon like uh, you know a conversation that somebody is having with somebody else that you never saw because you don't follow you know the other person. So I I saw Jeff Passan had a conversation with somebody who uh, was saying that Sanchez was way better than Scherzer because he can, had command of all four pitches and Scherzer would never be able to match that and Verlander can't match that and, and we would all see. And this is like a conversation between Passan and some guy who has like 30 followers <laughs> and nobody saw this conversation. But Passan was saying that Sanchez had control, he had command of none of his pitches, that, um, you know, you don't walk six guys if you have any command. He just had absolutely no command whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wonder if that's if that was the impression people had, that Sanchez was like just out there wildly getting, I don't know, not, not lucky exactly, but I guess that dovetails into my, my action. My well, second question. Paul Spore tweeted us that Sanchez was effectively wild. Oh, is that what that was? Mm-hmm. Oh, I wasn't sure what that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that, <laughs> that was. Tweet, yeah. That tweet didn't make much sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Um, so anyway, though, the, the question that I have is, um, is, do you think that uh, well okay so you can look at these two starts I mean ignore I, you don't have to ignore I mean you can incorporate the Red Sox eighth inning into this which was a big inning but before that they had been absolutely just completely completely dominated by two pitchers yes Passan also had this incredible fun fact that the Red Sox didn't put a ball in play until the 40th pitch yesterday mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of incredible but I mean they hadn't no chance they were just they were striking out at you know like absurdly almost boring rates uh two near no hitters and so you could look at that as you know great pitcher pitching great or you could look at it as the red sox offense slumping and i'm just curious particularly now that you're a scout school grad (laughs) um how would you what would you look for to if you wanted to determine whether it was just if you wanted to figure out whether the red sox as a offensive unit are slumping mm-hmm. and whether it might be a factor going forward. Um, what would you look for? Uh, I guess statistically, I would look for chases, right, out of zone swings. I guess guys expanding their zone, 
or I mean, I guess you could say bad takes also people just taking strikes down the middle of the plate or something, but probably one of one of those things would be the easiest to check just to see if their approach is off or if, you know, if they're just not getting results, but they're going about it the right way. Um, I don't know, I guess from the, the scout perspective, you'd, you'd kind of just look to see if guys look comfortable or if they're flinching all the time on breaking balls or something, or they're late all the time. But I, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I would just look at whether, whether the approach is solid, whether they're swinging at hittable pitches and letting unhittable pitches go by. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, it, it could just be that like they're looking for, I mean, sure. If Scherzer's throwing, you know, three or four elite level pitches and I mean, Mm -hmm. mixing them up, Mm -hmm. it's hard. I mean, maybe they're, maybe they are, maybe they're just completely beat by Scherzer. And so they're having to guess, which that might, that might make sense. That might be the strategically sound decision to, to, to sit on a pitch so that you might have a shot at one of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just a, again, a a kind of a ripple of the guy being too hard to hit. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't expect you to have an answer. I, I, just was walking around the neighborhood trying to think of how I would approach it. And I don't know. I don't have any idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Cause that was kind of the case with the Yankees last year where they just didn't hit at all. Uh, and as I recall, it looked bad for, for a while, like in the Baltimore series and, and early on in the ALCS, they just looked like they were swinging at everything and just kind of out of it. Um, but then the last couple games, it seemed like they were not doing that, but they still weren't hitting. So, uh, it's kind of hard to tell the difference between one or the other, but, but yeah, other than, other than that, I don't know how you'd tell. I would just kind of look at at what pitches you're swinging at, but you're right that maybe it's the optimal strategy that's just not working sometimes. Um, so that was, that was, I guess the narrative of, of the beginning of this series was, was that the Red Sox couldn't hit and the Tigers pitching was unhittable. Um, and and then David Ortiz hit the home run and changed all that. And now I guess the narrative based on post-game interviews is that the Red Sox have the momentum now. Uh, they came back, they had a demoralizing comeback, and uh, now the mo- momentum has shifted. But... Um, doesn't the fact that, that David Ortiz hit that home run kind of kind of take the air out of the momentum narrative at all? I mean, if, if the Red Sox can't hit at all and they're getting no hit in both games and then one swing, they come back and they, they win the game. So anything could happen in the next game. Why even, why even speculate about the momentum? Well, so, okay, so, be, I mean, okay, so you're saying, like, momentum is, is, is nonsense because— uh, you know, if, if momentum was so powerful, Ortiz wouldn't have been able to hit that home run, right. you know, the, the mo- but you know, Ortiz very nearly flied out to Torrey Hunter. I mean, Torrey Hunter mm-hmm. missed it by an inch. So would that have actually changed what David Ortiz had done? Uh, the perception of it certainly would have, would have been different, I think. Yeah. But I mean, if, if, if it had been six inches lower or two inches lower or whatever, and, and Hunter had, had caught it, mm-hmm. then, you know, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that not that I'm backing up the momentum narrative at all, but I mean, it's not like Ortiz 
hit that home run and could not have done anything else. It was, it was, you know, very, very easily Ortiz could have flied out. And I mean, I guess the question is, I mean, the question is for the purposes of prediction, if you're, which is all that really matters Mm -hmm. in this world of ours, if you're trying to anticipate what's coming is, do you think that the Red Sox are a better offense tomorrow than they would have been if Ortiz had flied out? And I don't think that's a, that's, I don't think that's an absurd question to raise. At least it's not, it's not an absurd question. If I, I mean, I wouldn't write an article about that mm-hmm. and I wouldn't if I were I would I would hope that I never have to be the columnist who files so often that I have to write a, a piece ascribing the you know the Red Sox future success or failures to that but I might as I walk around the neighborhood thinking of these things it would go through my head I would probably in my head wonder about it mm-hmm. you've been so you've done a lot of walking through the neighborhood I've been wa- pondering yeah, no, lately I've been, I've been I've been walking a lot lately <laughs> yeah. it's my, my new thing <laughs> um so do you think the Red Sox are? Uh, so do you think the Red Sox are any better tomorrow? Not tomorrow. Yeah, Tuesday. Uh, day after, Tuesday than they would have been if if Hunter had caught that ball. Uh, how much? Give, give, if I assign them a true talent, <laughs> true average of uh, of two eighty. Mm-hmm. Um, what are they? What are they now? And what would they have been uh, <laughs> if uh, if Hunter caught that ball? I think the same. You think the same? Think, you really think that they are the exact same team I, if they lose tonight on a you know three hitter and go 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 on the road down two games to none? Uh, yeah, I kind of do. I don't I don't want to be like you know sabermetric boy who just sticks to the party line about there being no momentum or whatever. But I I, I don't know. I I could buy like a couple points, I guess, if you want to say there's something. But how try- how high can you go for a? I mean, it's just I don't know. We've seen so many times teams just suddenly reverse things or come back. Well, I mean, Ben, I know we're we're not saying it's the only thing. Yeah, we're just I'm just asking if it's one percent. I'm trying to remember where I heard this in the last two or three days. I heard about it might have been it might have been the Malcolm Gladwell book, the new Malcolm Gladwell book, and I, I think it might have been from that. So discount it as necessary. But it was, um, as I recall, it was a study where if you told, they asked a bunch of people questions, like some, you know, they, they gave them a quiz, right? They gave them some quiz to test their intelligence. And if they told them they were going up against students from Harvard, they performed worse than if they told them they were going up against students from like, you know, San Diego State, uh-huh. right? So being, like feeling like they were uh, outmatched made them perform worse. Uh-huh. So it, it seems to me a, a reasonable hypothesis that if you think that the team you're playing is better than you, and after two days of striking out you know, 30-plus times and getting four hits and really having no shot or it feeling that way after the fact, mm-hmm. um, that you might feel that way. So I'm, I'm willing to give... I would gladly concede 1%. Of performance, I I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't make a big stink about one percent. I think that, I think <laughs> the people who who talk about the momentum narrative probably think it's bigger than one percent, or they wouldn't make such a big deal out of it. Um, who cares what people think about it though? <laughs> it's you and me here. Well, okay, I I would just say that I think the the Red Sox perception of themselves. Uh, I, I can't imagine it changing that much because of two games. You know, it's a veteran team. They've had success all season. They've 
had two bad losses in a row before, I feel like they're not suddenly going to be so down on themselves and fatalistic and thinking that the Tigers are better than they are because of two games. I just, you know, you think like Dustin Pedroia is going to be like, oh man, we're we're out of this one. The Tigers are just better than us. Uh, I I don't I don't really see it. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I guess it Plus, sounds like they have they have Johnny Gomes, so he's gonna he's gonna rally them and cheer them up in the clubhouse and everything. Who starts that's game what three? He's, for them? That's what he's for. Um, I uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, it was Lester and Buckholtz, so. <clears throat> this is a thing we should know. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's PV. It's probably. PV, right? It's got to be PV. Yeah. Yeah. So PV Verlander. Uh, no, no, Lackey Verlander. Like, oh, well, okay. So, I don't know. I I mean, you, the, it seems to me that you're trying to, like, ascribe me a position that is more extreme than it is. I mean, I've, I've, only, put my, I've only put my reputation on 1%, uh-huh. but, I mean, down to nothing – Two particularly, pay, you know, two particularly convincing losses. Mm-hmm. You've got Verlander Lackey, which is not, you know, that's Verlander Lackey. Mm-hmm. That's that's as though it were Lackey against Verlander. That's what that is, <laughs> yeah. and and it's in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel I feel I feel comfortable saying that there is actually. I, I actually will feel comfortable saying that there is a one percent shift in the Red Sox true chances of winning the next game. Yeah, one percent. What? No, I'm going to go a, a half a percent because I'm giving them a one percent better performance, uh-huh. but they're only half of the equation in a in a sporting event. At the same so, time, you would. It's a good thing. It's a really good thing for them, I think. Other than the fact that they they won. I mean, they they also they won. So <laughs> yes, that, that that increases their chances. Yeah. Spectacularly, what were the? Yeah. So they would have had. I mean, they would have had probably what? Like a like a twenty five percent chance of winning the series, or a twenty percent chance of winning the series. What did What do the Dodgers have? Going, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, um, going home now, but facing Adam Wainwright, and yeah, uh, their chances aren't aren't the greatest right now. Um, uh-huh. Segway was that a segue? Uh, it, it would have been, but I'm not I'm not done with this other game yet. Um, okay. So this is it. It looks like just kind of skimming Twitter as we've been talking. It looks like this has also been an occasion for people to argue about clutch. Have you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm watching it. I'm watching it in real time. It's getting, it's it's getting ugly out there. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the. It's one of the it's worst. One of the, the, the least fun part of an incredible event is that more people are talking about it. Yes. And I hate. I basically hate hearing people talk. So. Yeah. Well, Chota Carey tweeted uh, probably a, a good tweet. We just saw one of the greatest endings to a game in postseason history. Maybe argue clutch, not clutch, another day. Uh, yeah, which which I actually feel like like any I I stand behind Jonah's Jonah's sentiment because anything to keep people from from saying the same thing as everybody else for forty five minutes on my feet. But uh, I actually think that there's a that I'm not sure that argument is is right. Um, I guess if you are gonna if you are gonna raise that that argument and say that there's no clutch, I guess the perfect time to do it is right when someone does something that's perceived as extremely clutch. Yeah, whenever there's like a big, if there's ever a big like news, like a big tragedy, and people start trying to talk about like public policy out of it, uh-huh. and they go, "Oh, now's now's not the time." Yeah. but it's it's exactly the time uh-huh. people are paying attention. But in this case, uh, yeah, who cares? <laughs> uh, yeah, so 
So don't read Keith, Keith Law's Twitter feed if you if you don't want to if you don't want to look at the clutch versus non-clutch. Um, are you surprised that there haven't been more attempts to bunt on Cabrera? I think there was just one. Yeah. There was uh, Josh Josh Reddick tried to do it and he kind of popped you, popped it up. Yeah, and well, that wasn't even an attempt to bunt on Cabrera. That was a yeah. That was the situation. The situation arguably called for it that yeah. was a situational bunt right yeah and has i am has i am surprised this, I, this series at all because i you've kind of figured with you know guys like ellsbury or someone someone would try it you'd think since he's kind of hobbling around out there um i've i've missed part of the games as we've discussed so i don't know for sure but uh you would you would think that 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 would be something that teams would try look given how he's moving right now I feel like that is close to unwritten law, mm. uh, unwritten unwritten rule territory, uh, which is obviously that's stupid, but that's what unwritten rules generally are. So, yeah, I think that bunting on an injured player would probably uh, might actually get you beamed. Mm. I, I, I would suspect that if they if more than uh, like I think Ellsbury could certainly get away with it and I think they could probably get away with it once a game without anybody noticing. But if three guys bunted on him in a game, I bet one would get a fastball in the back. Huh. Uh, might be wrong. I might be wrong. I'm not a baseball player. Uh-huh. I don't have access to the unwritten code book. We should ask Gabe Kapler. We should. All right. Maybe maybe we will. Um, I'm going to email. Yeah. I'll email him. <laughs> maybe he'll answer before the end of the episode. Uh, okay. One thing I was... Um, wondering about you know the you know the 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 theory or the line of thought that goes the more pitching changes you make or the more relievers you bring into a game the more you're increasing your risk that one of them will just be having a bad day like it like the moves might make perfect sense statistically matchup wise uh you might want a certain guy to face a certain hitter but the more the more relievers you bring into a game, the, the 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 higher the chance that one of them just won't have it that day. Yeah. Do you subscribe right. to that? Because I was I was thinking about it in in the eighth there when when Leland made like four pitching changes. It started the inning, bringing in Varis to replace Scherzer, and then uh, Smiley replaced Varis, and Albuquerque replaced Smiley, and Benoit replaced Albuquerque, and then Benoit gave up the grand slam. Um, it's something you hear people say, and I've always kind of been on the fence about whether I buy that. Well, the flip side to that is that you're getting them out much quicker, much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you did, it's not like you're then stuck with the guy for 10 batters. It's it's sort of like, uh, it might not be like this, but it's sort of like a single deck blackjack, where sure, it's easy to, you know, it's easy to get. Uh, to count the cards and to get in a favorable betting position, but as soon as you notice it, they flip the deck over anyway. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, I mean, it's it seems like a if if you believe that there's like a ton of variance in pitchers' performance from day to day, mm-hmm. um, then yes, you would be worried about that. I'm not sure how much variance there is in pitchers' performance from day to day. That that would be the first question, and probably managers would have strong opinions on that. Um, but I don't know that. We have strong opinions on that, and then uh, you know, even if that were the case, I mean, if you're only going to them for one batter at a time, um, you know, you might get 
you're, you're to some degree to some degree I don't know you might be actually hedging a little bit and uh, basically getting uh, like kind of less total variance right because uh-huh. if one guy doesn't have it um, you might be bringing in another guy but yeah you would I guess hang on I'm talking I'm making no sense right now <laughs> I, it does seem like it does seem like if you if you had a guy who you could identify as having it or not having it uh-huh. uh, that you would once you identify that having it guy yeah you would want you would want to use him as long as you can yeah but that doesn't really happen unless I, the, I was surprised that and, unless the the expectation for the plate appearance like you know if you're bringing in a lefty specialist to face a lefty then maybe even if he doesn't have it he's he's better off he's the better matchup than a, a righty who has it uh i mean it, how how big a difference is having it versus not having it i mean it's not if you don't have it, you uh, you automatically give up a home run, or or is it just you're not quite as good that day? I don't know. So here's my here's my I don't know maybe uh, I would want to look at this more before I said it for sure, but uh, I think that Leland might have uh, I think Leland probably well okay I think that the uh, that the way that we have uh, demanded that managers bring in closers in the eighth inning now mm-hmm. in the postseason, while generally that's a thing I support and I like it, I like to see it, and I, I wish that managers would be willing to do it all the time. Um, I wonder whether that um, uh, that drive to do that uh, costs the Tigers tonight because I think that in if this is another series, if this is like August. Smiley comes in to face Ellsbury mm. and then um, probably gets the whole eighth inning. And so then even if even if the rest of the inning had gone exactly as it was, you'd have Ortiz pit, uh, facing a lefty, mm-hmm. which is a big difference with David Ortiz. Mm-hmm. And um, I was surprised that they Although put Smiley for Albuquerque. Ben was one of those guys who's really good against lefties too, right? But It's true. He, he was this year, mm-hmm. and maybe he is every year. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's not a factor, but... Uh, I thought, I mean, I think I would rather have Smiley facing a lefty. Uh, sorry, I would rather have Smiley facing a righty than Albuquerque mm-hmm. at this point. And I was surprised that they pulled Smiley for Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the reasons that it makes sense is if you're Leland and you're thinking, well, I'm going to bring Benoit in uh, to face Ortiz regardless, then there's no reason to, to leave Smiley in there. But I think I would actually rather have um, Ortiz face Smiley than Benoit like I, I don't think that Smiley I don't think that Benoit is necessarily the best pitcher um in that situation mm-hmm. so uh Benoit was better against lefties this year than against righties he wasn't the year before the year before that it was close he was the year before he wasn't the year before he was the year before so it's pretty close he's in his career he is better against lefties than righties yeah. so mm-hmm. with 1800 plate appearances yeah uh and I guess Leland could have brought coke in if he really wanted a lefty but i'd, yeah. I'd, I'd much rather yeah. have benoit yeah well i'd much rather have benoit than coke yeah. but i think i'd rather have smiley than than benoit yeah yeah sure um okay uh does it does it strike you as uh curious that the tigers haven't gotten at least that i've seen more abuse for for johnny peralta playing and playing well because of the steroids? Yeah, I mean he was he was one for four tonight, but he he hit very well. He went three for four in the first game of the series. He went five for twelve in in the ALDS and hit a home run. And I kind of figured 
because it seemed like a lot of people approved of the Giants not playing Melky last year, even though I don't know whether the Giants' motivation really had anything to do with that or whether they just didn't think he'd be ready. Uh, Peralta was was back sooner, um, so it makes more sense from a baseball perspective to play him. But I guess I'm kind of surprised that they're not, at least that I've seen, they, they're, have there been a lot of hot takes about Peralta playing? If, if there have, I guess I just haven't been reading them. But um, it seems like the sort of thing that would produce hot takes, doesn't it? Uh, no, not really. Everybody, everybody's got steroids users. It's pretty. There's a very, very small uh, number of players who actually have this stuff stick to them. Um, and it's you, you. You basically you have to get so good that people think that you're unnaturally good for it to matter. They don't care if you're Peralta. And you know, incidentally, I heard them talking on during the broadcast yesterday. Might have been today about Peralta and and about how Leland showed faith in him. And and they start talking about how like, oh well, you know, he they didn't know if he'd be back and he'd be able to come back at full speed. He didn't get a chance to have a real rehab stand. He got to play in you know in instructs or whatever, but. You don't know, uh, you know, if that's going to be the same. And, um, you know, they were going on and on. And, and then they go, and then not to mention the fact that the steroids suspension, maybe that weighs on him mentally. And at no point did anybody go, plus he was doing steroids before and he can't do steroids now. So maybe he sucks. Yeah. Like nobody, nobody said that because nobody actually believes that. Like unless you're on a Hall of Fame pace or you're a winning MVP award. People believed it with Melky records, last year, I think. Or you're winning a batting title. Oh, That's my mom. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. Uh, yeah, or you're winning a batting title. If Melky had been third in the league in batting, mm-hmm. nobody would have cared about Melky. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to. There's a particular set of achievements you have to get before anybody starts crediting the the, the steroids or the HGH with doing it. Uh-huh. So yeah, I mean Peralta is just another guy who got caught. I mean nobody cared about Bartolo Colon mm-hmm. in Oakland. Nobody cared about David Ortiz in Boston. Mm-hmm. Every every team's got every team's got a guy right now. So does that should that tell us something about I don't know should that prevent us from future hot takes because teams obviously don't don't care about this as much as columnists do. I mean if there's no team really that other than Barry Bonds, possibly there's there's really no player who's been blackballed based on PED use. If if a player can play, teams will will let him play. They want him to play for them. Uh, no one really has taken a a moral stance about this and said we're just not gonna, at least publicly. Uh, no one has said we're just not gonna sign this guy because he tested positive and obviously. There hasn't ever been a case where all 30 teams thought that privately or they we would have seen someone not get a job except for possibly Bonds who had lots of other baggage attached to him. So I don't know. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that that teams care mostly about whether you can play and not whether you were just suspended. And you can certainly say that a guy served his time and now he should be well, back yeah. out there. And, and that's that. He's, he served his time, and he's going to be getting tested. Mm-hmm. So you, it's the, the it seems to me the only way it matters for a team is that you're if you think that a guy who got caught is more likely to keep using, then you're rolling the dice a little bit mm-hmm. on on him getting caught again. Mm-hmm. But presumably that if he keeps on passing tests, then he's not using, and you can play him in good conscience. I mean, as long as teams don't have any, you know, if, if it's not like teams know when these guys are using, probably. And so if, as long as they can keep that, 
that sort of distance from the use. Mm-hmm. I think they're in fine moral ground. I wouldn't have any problem. If I owned a team, I certainly wouldn't have a problem playing a guy who had done steroids for another team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, or my team <laughs> without my without my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Do you have, if you were a, a post-game... It would be more so, like, I think I would... I would, I would probably, I could see a situation where if I was an owner, I wouldn't want Peralta playing for me if he had been caught using while he was playing for me. If he were, if I were the owner of, so like if I were the owner of the Tigers right now, I could see a situation where I might not want him. But if I were the owner of the Cardinals, I would certainly snatch up Johnny Peralta. Mm -hmm. I don't really even know. I haven't even thought about that that much. If you were a, a post-game sideline person, do you think you would ever ask a, an interesting question? No. <laughs> I was just reading a quote from David Ortiz. Someone asked him, you know, the usual question, what What were you thinking when you went up there? What were you trying to do or whatever? And he said, I wasn't trying to hit a grand slam. I was just trying to put a good swing on the ball, which is what every player who's ever been asked that question. Just once I'd like to hear someone said, I... Have you ever heard someone say, I was just sitting dead red there. I was just trying to hit a home run. I was just, that was all I was trying to do there. I've never really heard that. It's just, if you're trying to hit a home run, you can't hit a home run. So you have to just try to try to hit it hard somewhere. And that's, that's all, that's always the answer. You know, back in the day, if you were, when the, when the reporters would go interview the players after the game, the first question they would always ask the hero of the game was, what'd you hit? What was that pitch? <laughs> uh-huh. And and now the camera work is so good, and yep. we know pitches so well, and every game's televised all the time, and uh, you know the highlights are up on MLB.com, and so you can just go see what the pitch was. So that has kind of killed that pitch. Mm-hmm. Like it's so, it would be so dumb to walk up to a to a batter usually and go, "What would you hit?" <laughs> I mean, it's like just look at the pitch effects, yeah, and and find out you know what the, what it was. So uh, it kind of feel bad for those guys but no there's no there's no upside to asking an interesting question the more interesting it is the more likely you're just going to confuse the player (laughs) and he's going to question your motives Uh you could always ask how he felt though that's always a good one i'm not what would you ask what would you have asked david ortiz at that point uh (laughs) i don't know i don't i don't think david ortiz do you believe in clutch (laughs) uh that'd be more interesting at least a little bit i guess (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's probably nothing you could say. Um, so we, I mean, you, yeah, the, the best thing to do would probably be to say, I don't know. You might, you might, the most, the most likely, I don't know, maybe you, uh, no, I don't even know. Never mind. <laughs> I forget, forget it, forget it. Didn't work. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. So, so we've pretty much just talked about the AL series. I've, I've been writing about the NL series uh, at Baseball Perspectives. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Yeah, we can talk about that. Okay. If you want to see my recaps from either of those games, you can go read them at BP. The first one is is free. Um, and yeah, then we'll we'll switch to that series tomorrow, and there there will be another game to talk about. So we will be back with another show. Send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectives.com.